Hello and welcome to the Women's Basketball Podcast, the only podcast devoted strictly to Michigan State women's basketball. As always, brought to you by Impact 89FM, WDBM. I'm Zachary Swasicki, alongside Zach Manning, Julian Mitchell. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. It's cold outside. We're entering our final stretch of Big Ten basketball and just women, women's basketball overall here. I'm ready to talk some hoops, getting ready for March. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Like Julian said, it's cold. Just I, I don't even know if it's cold. It's just like really windy outside. It's kind of nice out, but it, the wind is just terrible. And as Julian said, about three weeks left now in the Big Ten regular season. It's flying by. March is rapidly getting upon us here. It's already February 10th. Recap of the Michigan State season so far. They're 16-8, and 6-5 and five in the Big Ten, 9-2 and two at home with losses to then number one Notre Dame and Purdue. Over the last week, they've only played one game. That was an overtime loss to Iowa, 87-83. to And, of course, last year the team was 25-9, and 13-4 in the Big Ten, 13-2 at home. Made it to the finals of the Big Ten tournament, lost to Maryland, made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament, and lost to Mississippi State. And now we're here, 16-8 and overall, 6-5 and in the Big Ten. Susie Merchant still on a medical leave of absence. Uh... We'll keep giving you an update on her. Nothing official as of yet. Um, and this is almost going on a month now that associate head coach Amaka Amugwa, I guess the best thing to come out of this is we've learned to say her name, um, says, has been serving as interim head coach. Still trying to progress without her. I'm sure it's, it's, it's tough without her on the sideline. Again, I think I speak for everyone. Hopefully she comes back and is doing well now. Again, nothing official from the athletic department on Susie. Um, rumors she may have been at practice, but yeah, nothing confirmed. Moving on though, like I said, three weeks left in the Big Ten season. We did this last week. Um, we're just going to give you a quick recap of the standing so far. Uh, again, Maryland's still sitting atop atop the the Big Ten women's standings, twenty four and one overall, twelve and zero undefeated in the Big Ten, averaging about ninety points a game. And this is their best start in program history in their forty six years. They were 22-2 and two through 24 games in the five previous seasons. Um, but, again, this is their best start in 46 years. That's incredibly impressive. Julian, what impresses you most about this team? Well, just on the offensive end, they've just been dominant, averaging 90 points per game. You take a look at their schedule and some of their past games, there's only a few, maybe two to three games where they've been below 80 or so points. So it's just amazing how efficient and how much they score. This team's just dominant on the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, Julian talked about the offense. And you look at the defense, they're holding opponents to just 62 points per game. So, I mean, they're they're potent on offense, but they're even better on defense. I mean, that that's what stands out to me. Yeah, and efficiency and just total offense. Four players averaging over 10 points. Um, we're going to – we'll save that for the, the preview of Michigan State-Maryland game. But Brianna Jones, Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, two of the best in the country. And this team, I mean, they are upperclassmen heavy, but it's just extremely impressive. 24-1 and one overall, the one loss coming to UConn in Maryland, six points. Like we said, we consider that a win, six-point loss to Maryland. Um, about as good as you're going to get, 12-0 and 0 in the Big Ten, averaging 90 points. Second in the Big Ten, Ohio State, 21-5 and 5 overall, 11-1 and 1 in the conference. That one loss coming to Michigan State in East Lansing, averaging about 87 points a game. Kelsey Mitchell, another player of the year candidate. Um, Zach, start with you. What makes the Buckeyes so good? I mean, it's it's the, the potent offense that they have. I mean, you talk about Kelsey Mitchell, Stephanie Mavunga. Mavunga, one of the best rebounders in the Big Ten. 
and Kelsey Mitchell, one of the best scorers in the Big Ten, so they have that inside-out threat, and it makes them so lethal on offense. Yeah, just harping on what Zach said, having those two players sort of go together with each other, having outside and inside, that works so well for them. And then they play well on the defensive end as well. My only problem with Ohio State is if do, do they have enough firepower to keep up with a Maryland who, like we're going to talk about later, has a lot of players in double figures, and Ohio State just has Kelsey Mitchell and then Stephanie Mavunga, but we'll yeah. see. They've won seven straight now, the Buckeyes have, and I don't see them passing Maryland unless Michigan State gets an upset. We'll see if someone picks them later on in the show, but Ohio State 21-5 and overall. Uh, winners of their seven last games. Third in the Big Ten, Michigan 20-5 and overall. Nine and two in the Big Ten, uh, a team that I kind of was sleeping on to start the season, and they've played extremely well. Caitlin Flaherty, another player that's playing extremely well, averaging twenty points a game. Uh, Julian, biggest thing you've seen difference from last year to this year in in the Wolverines? Well, their three point shooting is absolutely spectacular this season. They're first in the Big Ten. They're shooting it from forty one percent from beyond the arc. Uh, Caitlin Faraday, she's 39% from three-point herself, and this team just hits shots from beyond the arc. And, I mean, when you have a team that's killing you from deep like that, it's just demoralizing to the other teams they're facing, and it just sucks the life out of you. I mean, yeah, what Julian said, they're, they're just so efficient on offense, third in scoring offense, first in three-point uh, field goal percentage. They're pretty good on defense, too, is their third in scoring defense. But you look at um, Caitlin Flaherty, 45% from the field, 39% from three. They just have those lethal weapons that can burn a team. We're talking about a lot of offense. The the fourth team here in in the Big Ten standings, Northwestern, seventeen and six overall, six and four in the Big Ten, first in the conference in field goal percentage, defense first in blocks, and second in three point field goal percentage. Uh, Nia Coffey probably is the story. She's the centerpiece of this team, six, seventeen and six overall. Um, kind of a sleeper team again. Could make some noise in in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Zach, Nia Coffey, what can you say about her? I mean. She is just an all-around player. 18.6 points, which is eighth in the Big Ten. Almost 11 rebounds, second in the Big Ten. Then you look what she does as a rim protector, 1.7 blocks, but she also gets 1.2 steals per game. So she's an all-around player that just carries Northwestern. Yeah, I agree with Zach. She's just a great all-around player. What really hits me with her is her on the defensive end, 1.7 blocks, 10.9 boards. She's just dominant on that defensive end, and that's what really has led this Northwestern team to so many wins is they're dominant on defense. And something, like you said, they're a sleeper when it comes to the Big Ten tournament because they can defend as well as anybody in the country. And moving on, there's um, four teams tied at 6-5 and five in the Big Ten Conference. That's Indiana, Michigan State, Iowa, and Purdue, all 6-5 and five in the conference. Iowa, Indiana, excuse me, 16-8, Michigan State, 16-8, and eight, Iowa, 15-9, and nine, and Purdue at 15-10. and 10. So kind of surprising that they've played so well in the Big Ten um, play. Out of those four, I'll include Northwestern because I think you know they still have some some room that they could drop off a little bit, six and four. So they're only a game difference there. Out of those five teams, who do you think could sneak into that four spot in a double bye in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one of those four, I would choose Northwestern just because of Nia Coffey. She is just one of the best players in the Big Ten. But they're sitting in the four spot right now. I don't think they move, but if I had to pick someone else, it would be Purdue. The play of Ashley Morissetti recently has just been out of this world, um, one of the best scorers in the Big Ten. So if I had to pick a team to come out of there, it would be Purdue. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I don't think Northwestern moves from that spot. But, again, just picking a team if Northwestern does move. I'm going to go ahead with Sparty. I think Sparty has some potential to slip in there. I mean, all they need is a couple of good breaks to go their way, a couple of good wins, and they can really sneak in there. This is a good team. They just need a couple breaks. Yeah, I, I've been going back and forth on this. I think Michigan State has definitely has the potential. 
maybe even Purdue. I think their record's kind of deceiving, especially with Morissetti. They have experienced players. They were in the Big Ten tournament last year, lost to Michigan State. Uh, I think Northwestern probably stays there, but Michigan State, we've seen how lethal they can be, especially offensively, when they get more than just Jankowski playing. Um, but that is the Big Ten standing so far. Again, Maryland first, Ohio State second, U of M third, with Northwestern fourth at six and four, and then four teams tied fifth at six and five. Michigan State in that tie right there. Um, but they all have a chance to to make a huge statement this Sunday against Maryland. Again, we'll have that preview just in a few minutes later on in the show. We're still sticking with the intro here. Midseason awards have been announced. The wooden watch list has included four players from the Big Ten, um, not including Tori Jankowska, Nia Coffey, Brianna Jones, Kelsey Mitchell, Shatori Walker, Kimbrough. Um, we talked about Nia Coffey a little bit. Most impressive player out of those four. I'd have to say Brianna Jones. I mean, you look at what she's done this season. Um, I mean, 18, 18.9 points, so almost 19 points per game on the season, really ramping it up in conference play at 20.3 points per season. But the rebounding is what sets her apart. 11.2 rebounds in conference play, 10.4 overall, and her shooting percentage, 69% on the season. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I picked Jones, but <clears throat> just to sort of for the sake of being different, I'm going to go with Coffee here. She's a very talented player. And, I mean, she's done so much for this Northwestern team leading their defense, and that's what makes them, like I talked about earlier, just such a great team, their defense. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would agree with you, Julian. <clears throat> Nia Coffey, wa- watching her at the Big Ten tournament last year, um, she doesn't necessarily have, you know, three elite scorers around her like Brianna Jones does. Nia Coffey fills up the stat sheet. Um, leader emotionally, mentally, physically for for that Northwestern team. And they're looking at, you know, a a possible top 25 finish and a a relatively high seed in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to go with Nia Coffey there. Um, Just the the other two awards here, Naismith Watch. Um, Tori Jankowski was named to that this week. Um, Nia Coffey, Brianna Jones, Kelsey Mitchell, Shatori Walker-Kimbrough as well. Um, But, yeah, I think Tori Jankowski definitely deserves that, um, that honor. I think she's definitely one of the top 30 players in the country. Um, from watching her this year, what you know, what makes her so great? It's the fact that she can do it all. I mean, even when she's having an off night scoring the basketball, she finds other ways to help this team. And, I mean, she's getting them the rebound. She's getting the assists while also giving you 20 points per game. It's, it's absolutely insane, the run she's been on. And just to harp on it a little bit, I mean, Jankowski is not out of that wooden watch as well. I mean, they do another final ballot at early March. So she's somebody that I'd stick in there come early March if she continues her tear, but she's just been fantastic. Yeah, Julian, I totally agree. And, I mean, we talked about this before the podcast. She is one of the most valuable players in college basketball. You take her off that Michigan State team, and they don't have they don't have a score over 10 points. I mean, she is one of the most valuable players in college basketball. I, yeah, she definitely. If you take her off this team, um, I mean, they really don't have that leader necessarily that, that, that they could look to outside of Jankowska. So definitely, you know, one of the most valuable players for her individual team. The Wade watch list, again, another uh, announcement this week. I think, Julian, you wrote an article about Tor Jankowski mm-hmm. being named to it. Um, I think on their website they say it's the most prestigious ward in women's college yeah. basketball. 40 years, I think it's been going on, 46 mm-hmm. years, something like that. Um, selected by the NCAA Division One Coaches, All-America Selection Committee, and I was, you know, I was going through it before the show, and I told you guys they they must love watching the Big Ten. Um, seven Big Ten players: Tyra Buss from Indiana, Nia Coffey, Northwestern, Caitlin Faraday from U of M. We talked about her a little bit. Tori Jankowska, Brianna Jones, Kelsey Mitchell, Shatori Walker, Kimbrough. I think this just speaks to the depth of the Big Ten and and how many good teams there are. 
Um, and just looking at this list, they're so impressive. Um, you know, there's a lot of parity in the men's side as well this year. What, you know, just watching the season so far, how how fun has it been just seeing all of these different teams stepping up this year in the Big Ten? It's been so fun. I mean, you look at Tyra Bus from or Indiana, and then you go to Nia Coffee. I mean, you, the list goes on. The Big Ten has been so fun to watch this year. There's, I mean, there's never really a bad game in Big Ten, Big Ten women's basketball. There's just so many stars that it's hard to have a bad game. Yeah, I completely agree, and it's just been amazing because, I mean, when you go to watch women's basketball, you're always looking for the UConns and the Notre Dames, but you never really find a lot of you know diversity where you have a bunch of teams always going at it, and that's what the Big Ten offers you. You're not just going to have you know that UConn-Notre UConn, Dame matchup that you're looking for, but you have every single night out they're playing a Big Ten, Big Ten team. It's going to be competitive, and it's going to be a great game. Yeah, the Big Ten, just one of the best conferences um, in the country, you know, outside of UConn, but only one conference can have a UConn. So, so we'll see how that plays out again. Uh, midseason awards watch there. Wooden Naismith and Wade Jankowska on Naismith and Wade. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, Julian, if she ends up on the Wooden Wooden Award finalist list. Um, one of the best players in the country. You know, arguably the most valuable to her own team as well in the country. Moving on, um, some stats and facts so far throughout this season. Um, post Iowa, the Iowa lost. Iowa game obviously went into overtime, but it was the first loss MSU has suffered this year when scoring over 70 points. Um, now 12 and one, obviously went into overtime, so you can only you know take that with a grain of salt. But um, scoring has been something we've harped on. They did, you know, they struggled to score. I think 40 some points at halftime, and then they finally started getting it going. Jankowska, part of that as well, struggled. Um, they finally got it, ended with 83 points. Lose first first loss over 70 points. Um, it, you know, it's a, it's a tough loss, possibly a must win for them trying to make an NCAA tournament, but something they're going to have to bounce back from. Next point that we're going to talk about, senior guard, Tori Jankowska, like you haven't heard about her enough, is inching her way to 2,000 points. She just earned her, her ninth double-double, 21st of her career, now has four straight double-doubles. Like I said, inching her way to 2,000, now with 1,994 points. She's going to need six points. Against Maryland, like we said, the atmosphere is probably going to be crazy on a Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Um, Jankowski looking to break 2,000 points, first player in MSU women's history. What are you expecting for this atmosphere against Maryland? 2,000 points, possibly fifth straight double-double, trying to upset Maryland, their number three team in the country. I mean, it's going to be a great atmosphere. I mean, we were at the Ohio State game when she broke Ariel Powers' record, and, I mean, she got a standing O for – I mean, it was like 10 minutes long. It was it was incredible. So now breaking 2,000 points, I mean, it's it's going to be an incredible atmosphere, and I know the crowd's just going to give her a huge ovation. Yeah, the atmosphere is going to be absolutely insane with her scoring 2,000 and them hopefully being in competition with Maryland, a fantastic team. It's just going to be an all-around great game. Yeah, Michigan State came out the stats. They're 11th in the country in attendance, so fans keep on coming out. Um, they're notoriously top 25 in the country, filling up the Breslin Center. Um, again, Sunday, 2 p.m., Maryland. We're going to preview that game again in a little bit. Last part of the stats and facts um, segment here, the the same starting lineup has been played in the last 10 games. I think this is a lineup they're probably going to stick with, with McCutcheon, with Jankowska, Gaines, AG, and Reimer. Um, any pieces you would move around or maybe a different sixth, Six player to come off the bench. I don't think you want to move it around right now. I mean, even after the loss to Iowa, I mean they played 
they played pretty good in the second half. I mean, you don't have any complaints. I mean, you have to complain about the loss, but they didn't they didn't play that bad, so I don't think you move anything around. Yeah, I think this needs to stay. They've played with this lineup for a while now, and I think they've developed some chemistry. Yes, the loss hurts, and you're going to start thinking about it a little bit, but don't let that you know, stay on your mind too long. This is a lineup that you want to stick with. We talked about that loss. We'll just jump right into it. And as we said, that was the overtime loss to Iowa at Carver-Hawkeye Arena, 87-83. Tori Jankowski, again, struggled throughout the game. I think she had six points until the fourth quarter, and then she didn't have a three until two minutes left in the game, and then she just decided to go off, finished with 32 points, had the entire team scoring in in the overtime in 13 points. She had three threes and a bunch of free throws. So Tori Jankowska struggled, but again, they looked to her late, and she delivered with two late threes to force overtime. Again, it's a tough, tough loss. Any overtime loss is is not any fun, but um, I think that just speaks to the, the res- resiliency of the still young team with Jankowska being able to look, you know, look for her eight of 21 from the field, five, five of 13 from three, but 11 of 12 from the free throw line. Again, another double-double, 32 and 11 in 37 minutes. Julian, um, recapping, what was your biggest point from takeaway from this Iowa game? Um, sort of, I'm going to start off with a positive takeaway. One of the positive things is that you get 14 points out of Taya Reimer. So she plays a pretty good game, giving you 14. You get nine from Gaines and nine from McCutcheon. So some of that secondary scoring is starting to come in. We've seen it in these last couple of games. So that's a good sign for this Spartan team. A negative, as I'm going to talk about a little bit later, is definitely the free throw shooting. It just has not been good these past couple of games. They shot a game 68% in this one. Jankowska, she goes to the line with 12 shots. The only player there is McCutcheon and Gaines with two attempts at the free throw line. And that's not very good. You want some spread when you get into the free throw line like that. So that's something to look out for. Yeah, I mean, what I'm looking at is the turnovers. I mean, 16 turnovers, I mean, it's been a problem all season. We talked about it before we came on. Um, they're just having a problem with holding on to the ball, and that's 16 lost possessions. And if you think about it, they lost by four in overtime. If they get one of those possessions back and score, the game doesn't even go to overtime. So, I mean, turnovers have been huge for Michigan State this year. Yeah, you mentioned McCutcheon with nine points. She had eight of those in the first half, I think six in the first quarter. So they are getting the scoring from those secondary options, but they're not necessarily being – getting that consistently throughout the game. So again, consistency, we talked about it last episode. That was the title of the podcast. Consistency is key. And they're still just struggling to find that. And again, there's they, they've only been playing only 10 games with the starting lineup, but still there's just a couple things that you notice that they're just not completely clicking yet on every single cylinder, but we've seen glimpses of it. And again, when they're, when they are at hundred percent clicking, this is a dangerous team. Four-point four loss to Iowa, who does have two very good players in Distroff and Gustafson. Um, Distroff, junior guard with 25 points, 12 rebounds. She was going notch for notch with Jankowska until overtime, knocking some some impressive shots down. Um, what did you guys see from her game? She was very impressive. I mean, what I saw was she was just so efficient, 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from the 3, 8 of 12. From the free throw line, she played 41 minutes. I mean, she she played basically the entire game. I mean, it, it was looked like like she didn't even get tired. I mean, she was so so efficient, so consistent. Michigan State really had a hard time covering her. Yeah, I agree with you. She was just amazing consistency throughout. She dominated in that game. She was perfect. But I just want to talk a little bit about the play of Mackenzie Meyer and Bree Sarah. They lost their uh, sophomore guard, and they only 
only gone two practices without her. So that's something that's really tough for you to come in and play a great team like Michigan State without someone who's consistently been in your lineup, one of the only two upperclassmen in your starting lineup, and then you come with your two freshmen, and they go and play a fantastic game out there. Those pl- play from both of them was just fantastic. Yeah, Michigan State, again, we talked about it, you know, producing that offense. They took 75 shots in this game, made 30 of them, 10 of 25 from three. Biggest difference that probably decided the game um, was the free throws. 13 of 19 from the free throw line for Michigan State. 32 of 41 for Iowa. Quick math, that's 19 points there. And they lost by four. You just got to get to the line sometimes. And, and you know, fouls, it's getting touch, you know, touch fouls more common in, in the game. So eventually you're just going to have to adapt to that 19 points from the free throw line difference. It was turnovers for a while, and then they came back, made it close. Free throws ended up deciding the game. How could they change that, Julian? Well, this team's definitely got to put the ball on the floor more. I mean, there's a lot of times I'm watching their games, and they like to stay around the perimeter and shoot a lot more threes in the game. So they definitely got to get somebody to put it down the floor. McCutcheon's got to be the player to do that. I mean, she's the one who's going to have the ball. A lot of the times, Jankowska likes to play off the ball. So she's got to go to the rack, and I mean, that's going to open up more opportunities. You go to the rack, you get a driving kick opportunity, you can dish it down to Reimer or kick it outside. So that's just something that McCutcheon's got to step up and do, and also AG as well. And, and, and to your point, she was doing that early again, and I don't know if that was the game plan, but they seemed to go away from it. Um, Jankowska was struggling. She sat a lot in the third quarter when they only had 11 points. Um, so again, just consistently putting out those points. Zach, same question. How, you know, how do you either take more free throws or, or limit free throws from the other team? I mean, you got to you you got to drive to the basket. So I mean, like sometimes you'll see Michigan say like late in games they'll kind of just stand around and wait for someone to try and get open. But then it be it gets too late in the clock, and you know you're going Jan Costco one on one, you're going McCutcheon one on one, you're looking for a kick in the corner, and they're taking a lot of three pointers. So Michigan State really has to kind of drive to the basket and try and draw some contact. Yeah, I they just again sometimes you just need to drive. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. Turnovers again, Julian, you're going to touch on it later. I'm just going to bring it up. 16 turnovers, 22 points off of those turnovers for Iowa um, on those 16 Michigan State turnovers. Michigan State ended up winning the turnover battle thanks to to the overtime extra period, um, 18 to 16. But still, without those turnovers, they might not even have had to go into overtime. They might have won it in regulation. Um, turnovers, free throws, biggest takeaways for me from this game. Um, Jankowska struggling, and then all of a sudden she just lights on fire, and that's kind of the player she is. Um, but we're used to seeing her playing well throughout. Um, final takeaways from the Iowa loss. Well, so I want to just touch a little bit on points in the paint, like we talked about a little bit with getting to the rack. Iowa has 26 points mm-hmm. in the paint in this game to MSU's 18. That's a huge differential, especially when you have a team like Michigan State where you have a Reimer and a McCutcheon who can get to the basket and they can score inside. You don't want to get outscored by that much in the paint, so that's something to look at. Yeah, I mean, my final takeaway is, the way Michigan State played defensively. I mean, Iowa only played eight players. Five of them scored over 10 points, and then a sixth person had eight points. So the defense just wasn't there. They allowed Iowa to shoot 43% from three-point range. I mean, the defense just wasn't there. Yeah, Taya Reimer um, in wins, averaging 10 points. She had 14. But, again, points in the paint and rebounding. Rebounding, they're plus 11 in their wins, and they only out-rebounded Iowa by one. Um, so again, the recipe for success, they just didn't follow it enough. Jankowska struggling, heats up late, and again, she was the only scorer in overtime. That was probably the most 
uh, bizarre thing I saw in the box score is she was the only player for Michigan State to score in overtime. So sometimes that they're going to need her to be that. But they had the secondary scores early, faded away late. Jankowska heated up. Not enough. Thanks to Iowa's free throws, 19 more f- made free throws in the game than Michigan State. Decided the game 87-83 Iowa in overtime. And moving on, we are going to our reporter individual segments. Manning, money performer of the quote-unquote week of the one game that they played. Zach Manning, go ahead. Yeah, it's actually not a Michigan State player. I mean, they only played one game this week. They lost, so I'm going to have to give it to Iowa's um, Allie Dissertov. So uh, she had 25 points, 12 rebounds, 3 steals, 7 of 13 shooting. She was 3 of 5 from 3-point, and she was also 8 of 12 from the free throw line, as we talked about earlier, and she played 41 minutes. I mean, it, it just looked like she wasn't getting tired. She went blow for blow with Jan Koska. I mean, she just had an she, all an all around game. I mean, she she decided that game. If without her, again, Jankowska, like if she's not on that team for that game, they probably lose. But if you had to, for Michigan State, who would be your best performance of the week? Yeah, I mean, it would be easy to choose Jankowska just the way she ended the game. But I'm going to give it to Taya Reimer. Just 14 points, six rebounds, two blocks, seven or thirteen shooting. She kind of was that secondary scorer that they've been kind of looking for all year. And if she can keep that up, Michigan State could find themselves in the top four of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, again, we talked about it last episode. If she can hit that mid-range shot, uh, it's very dangerous to have you, have your one of your bigs be able to do that. She can post up. She can handle the ball. Just going to need her to just consistently play like she did 14-6-2 and two against Iowa. Now time for Judge Julian. Julian Mitchell, court is in session. All right, we got a couple things we want to talk about today. We've brought this up a couple times when we talked about turnovers. Turnovers is going to be the first thing I'm going to speak about. 16.8 turnovers per game for the Spartans, of 14 for their opponents. They're negative in their turnover margin there, and that's something you don't want. You don't want to give up more turnovers than, than you force your opponents into. That's just giving them free points. We talked about it. 22 points off turnovers to Iowa. They gave up 16 when they played uh, Indiana. They only have 14 turnovers in that game. Turnovers have just been huge for this team. They're 12th in turnover margin in the Big Ten, just above Nebraska and Wisconsin, where teams are at the complete bottom of the cellar in the conference. Turnovers have just hurt this team time and time again. They allow for uh, teams that are below Michigan State to stay within the game and then teams that are above Michigan State to just go away with it. I mean, in the Big Ten, when you have a team like Maryland or Michigan or Ohio State who just dominate offensively, you give them free chances – they're going to capitalize, and it's just going to hurt you in the end, and you're going to lose games. Next thing I want to bring up, we talked about this a little bit. Taya Reimer took like a little bit of a, a break throughout the season. There were a couple of times she had zero points or she had eight points. She wasn't really backing up Jankoska like we wanted her to, but she's been great in these last four games, 14 points against Iowa, as Zach talked about. She's averaging 12 points per game in the last four. She's been fantastic, dominating down and down on the inside, getting boards, She's been everything you want from her. Hopefully she can keep this up as we get into March. And finally, an ongoing case that I want to speak on is free throws. The Michigan State team shot 68% against Iowa. Not great from the field. We talked about Jankoska having 12 attempts at the line. Everyone else only having about two. Other players have got to get to the line, got to help her out. Those are free points, free shots that will help you stay in the game and then also keep your lead if you're leading in one. They didn't have one free throw in the entire first half against Iowa free throws are going to be huge down the stretch free throws help you win games so that's an ongoing case we'll see if there's going to be some more evidence as we continue on with the season we'll see what happens that's it for Judge Julian turnovers guilty of committing too many turnovers 
Judge Julian, that wraps up our reporter segments segment, segments within a segment, inception there. Moving on to preview the week of games ahead. Obviously, the biggest one this Sunday, 2 p.m. at the Breslin Center. Be there or be square. Maryland comes to town. Number three in the AP poll, number two in the coaches poll. They'll be on ESPN2. But if you're in Lansing, why not just come and witness what could be one of the best games of the year? Maryland comes to town 24-1 and overall. Like I said, 12-0 and in the Big Ten. They're 10-0 and on the road, which is extremely impressive considering the records for the rest of the teams. They've they've won 10 of their last 10 on the road. 4-0 in their last four games overall. Last win coming yesterday, Thursday, 84-59, to home against Illinois. They last played the Spartans last year in the Big Ten Tournament Final and defeated them then. Um, they were 2-0. and Again, they, the other game they won in the regular season. All-time, good stat by Zach Manning here, 8-0 and versus Michigan State. Spartans have never beaten the Terrapins there. Um, something I didn't know, something the, the Spartans are going to try to break on Sunday. Leading score, we already talked about it, Brianna Jones, 19 points, uh, 11, uh, 10 rebounds this season, 20-11 and 11 in conference play. Just gets better when the time steps up. Uh, other notable players, Tori Walker, Kimbrough, Destiny Slocum, um, 17 and 11. They're both averaging respectively. And again, they're both better in conference play as well, 19 and 11, and Slocum with six assists. Biggest key to this game, Julian, we'll start with you. Well, obviously you want to rebound the heck out of the ball. In this one, you got to control the boards. I mean, controlling the boards is huge for Michigan State. We talked about them winning when they have a large rebounding margin, so they definitely got to control the boards. And defense is going to be key. they got to find a way to try and at least stifle this high-power Maryland offense. I mean, you're not going to completely stop them, but you want to slow them down to the point where you're able to stay within the game. Yeah, I mean, the biggest key for me is just team defense. You have to be able to cover all four of their scores. They have four scores averaging 10 points or more per game, so you're going to have to kind of play team defense, get inside, maybe double-team on Brianna Jones. But then when she passes out, you have to get back out there and make sure you have a hand in the shooter's face so they can't get those easy looks. Yeah, that's the tough thing. If you want to limit Brianna Jones, well, too bad they got three more scores that average double figures. Um, Walker, Kimbrough, Slocum, and Kayla Charles, who's also averaging 10 points. Uh, any way to stop her, I don't I don't know. Maybe just limit her is, is the best-case scenario. And again, double-teaming, that just opens up more players. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what um, associate head coach Amaka Amugwa um, draws up. We'll see. I mean, the team has played, you know, relatively well without Susie. So um, we'll see what kind of defensive strategy they draw up on Brianna Jones. But then on on the other side, in in the in the backcourt, you have Shadori Walker Kimbrough who can step back and make a three. Um, so rebounding is going to be huge. But I'm going to be watching McCutcheon on Walker Kimbrough. Probably be, be will probably be the guard matchup there. Um, McCutcheon's been very impressive. You know, she had her hands full against Iowa, but she held her own f- for throughout the game. Um, when she was in. So that's going to be my matchup to watch, your matchup to watch, Julian. I definitely want to watch Jankoska and then Rihanna Jones and everyone else just go head-to-head in this one. This is going to be a matchup. You know, Jankoska's going to want to go for 2,000, so she's definitely going to hit that. There's no doubt in my mind she's going to get that one. But also she's going to get 2,000, and then she's not going to want Maryland to come in and just spoil her night. So I think she's going to put on a fantastic performance. You definitely want to watch her because she's going to have to carry this team if they're going to get this win. She's got to put up something amazing on the offensive end. In my matchup to watch is Brianna Jones against uh, Taya Reimer. I mean, Reimer kind of stepping up her play in the past, you know, five or six games, and then Brianna Jones, one of the best 
in the Big Ten. So it's going to be an intriguing matchup to see who wins in that one. Yeah, Maryland coming off of a big win versus Illinois. Uh, they've just continued to roll after their lo- the six-point loss to UConn. Again, basically a win if you're Maryland, six points to, to UConn. Um, you know, they're going in between two and three in the AP poll, two in the coaches poll. It's just it's, – it's a – it's a machine, really, the Maryland offense. Um, again, they play very good defense as well. Um, very well coached. It's going to be a tough, tough game for the Spartans. Um, we're going to get into our picks. Again, pick the winner and pick the player of the game on the winning team. Zach Manning, I'm going to give you the honors. <laughs> Do you have an upset or are you going with the boring pick? I'm going to go with the boring pick. I mean, they just had, or Maryland has so many weapons on offense. It, it was, it's just going to be hard for Michigan State to get stops consistently, and I don't think they have enough firepower on offense to go blow for blow with Maryland. So I'm picking Maryland. Um, I'll leave it open for you guys to pick Brian Jones. I'm not going to pick Brian Jones. I'm going to take Shatori Walker-Kimbrough. I think that um, that matchup between McCutcheon and uh, her, I mean, it's going to be a good matchup, but I think Kimbrough comes away with it and scores maybe 15, 20 points. All right, Zach, I, I completely agree with you. Before we started this podcast, I even put it down here that I was going to pick Maryland, but I'm going to switch it up here. After looking through everything, I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm going to go with Michigan State. Wow. Jankoska is going for 2,000. She wants this game. This is going to be one of those huge games for Michigan State where they got to decide who wants it more, and if they want it more, I think they're going to walk away with the win. Jankoska with a fantastic game in this wow. one. Wow. You better hope she drops Shocker. like 42 like she did against her. She might need 50 against Maryland. Wow, Julian, you silenced the silenced I, the panel here. I just put everything out there. I mean, sometimes you know, I'm I'm going to give you credit there. I, I was thinking about making that pick just because basketball, you can look at all the stats, you can look mm-hmm. at all the numbers, but sometimes, you know, you get the momentum, you get someone scoring two thousand points, you get the home crowd. Basketball, you know, you get momentum on your side. There's something exactly. to be said for that. It's bigger than just the numbers, but. I'm taking Maryland. <laughs> I'm taking Maryland. I'm going to take Brianna Jones for my player of the game. Um, I will not be surprised if it comes down to the wire. Michigan State has the tendency to make every game close, especially against the good teams. They hang, they hung around with Notre Dame when they came to East Lansing, but again, they just I, they haven't proven to me that they have the fire firepower and the overall team defense to to step up against Maryland. I think it'll be very close. I'm not predicting a blowout here. I'm not predicting an MSU win either. <laughs> I think Jankowski will get 2,000 points, um, but they're going to need probably four or five starters to go in double figures to have a shot, which they're capable of doing. But I'm I just I, I I don't have the confidence to be able to pick that. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. I'm sure if they listen to this podcast, they'll get fired up and and go do it. But but we'll see. Zach takes Maryland. I take Maryland. Julian, the odd man out with the Spartans. We'll see who 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 um comes out on top there with the picks. Second game of the week, not to be overshadowed. Home versus Minnesota on Thursday, seven PM on Big Ten Plus. Minnesota comes in twelve and twelve overall, three and eight in the Big Ten, three and six on the road, um, one and four in their last five games. This is a, a Golden Gophers team. This is a must win for the Spartans, regardless of what happens against Maryland. They last played. On the 30th of January, Michigan State won by 19. Jankowska dropped 20 and 14. Again, another double-double for her. Carly Wagner, very good player, just doesn't have the team around her this year. She dropped, averaging about 20 points, five rebounds. They have a couple other players that, you know, they have decent, decent averages. Um, Kanisha Bell, 17 points a game. Um, Kadiva Hubbard, 13 points. 
again, just not the overall team around Wagner to, to be able to compete with some of the elite talent in the Big Ten. This is a must-win for the Spartans. I don't think that's an overstatement. Correct me if I'm wrong. Must-win for the Spartans. Not to jump ahead of myself, but I'm picking the Spartans to win this game. Key to the game that they don't you know, blow what seems to be an easy win. I know I don't want to put that curse on them, but yeah. it looks like it is. Yeah, they just need to get that secondary scoring like like they saw in the first matchup they had. You know, they had Jankoska with 20, Reimer with 11, AG with 15. I mean, or no, AG with 11, McCutcheon with 15. And you saw, you know, some role players like Nia Holly step up with nine and even Lexi Gusser with seven. So, I mean, they got the, they got the advance or the, the role players getting in with the points. I think that's what they're going to have to do to get the win. Yeah, turnovers are going to be key for this Michigan State team. They got to keep control of the basketball. Don't want to give any free points to this Minnesota team. Although they're not fantastic, they're definitely going to be hungry, as is any team in this conference. So they're definitely going to want to keep want to keep control of the basketball. Not as many turnovers as they've had in the past. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be looking to uh, see if they can continue against these teams that they they are expected to beat. They've had the tendency to go out, run ten, twelve players, and have them all play meaningful minutes. So uh, I'm going to be looking to see if they can do that again. Plus 11 in rebounding margin when they're winning these games in their wins. Tyre Reimer averaging 10, George Jankowska over 20. Um, rebounding and at least two players in double figures is the recipe to success for the Spartans team. Um, again, should be should be a win. I, I, we've said that before, and we, we've gave them the, the commentators jinx there. Rutgers. But, <laughs> Rutgers, exactly. But I will pick the Spartans. I'm not. I'll, I'll let Julian pick player of the game first. Julian, pick and player. So I'm going to go with Michigan State in this one. I just don't think Minnesota has the defense to stay with this Michigan State team. I mean, you look at their points right there. Minnesota's giving you 75 points per game, and they're giving opponents 75 as well. So this defense just can't hang with Michigan State. So I think Spartans are going to win this one. And my player, I'm going to go with McCutcheon. I think McCutcheon continues her hot streak. I think she plays well against Maryland, but she keeps it going towards Minnesota, and she's going to play a fantastic game in this one. Yeah, I'm also going to take Michigan State, but I'm actually going to be on the flip side. I don't think McCutcheon's going to have the greatest game. She played well against them last time. I think they're going to try and shut her down a little bit. I think Reimer's going to have a pretty good game because they're going to focus on the guard play of Michigan State, and the bigs are going to have a, a better game for Michigan State in this one. So I'm taking the Spartans, and Reimer's my player of the game. Wow, thanks, guys. I'll take Jankowska. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a pretty easy pick for me. Um, she had 30, or In 36 minutes, she had 20 points, 14 rebounds. Um, on January 30th, again, this is they the team knows this this is a must win, especially depending on what they do against Maryland. You know, no one's expecting them to win that game, but they're expected to win this game. Uh, another home game. Ty Reimer talked about that uh, last week. How they they want to protect the Breslin Center, protect home court. Um, I think they'll get this done again. I think they go one and one on the week. Zach Manning one and one tour, and Julian Mitchell. 2-0. That would be a huge statement if they can get it done against Maryland. Any final comments, takeaways, hot takes on Michigan State women's basketball before we wrap it up? Well, we've talked about it time and time again, and we've said in this po- this episode today, but this is a great, great basketball team that can really, once they put it together, they're going to be fantastic and really watch from when Merchant comes back. I think she's just a piece that this team has missed. I mean, she's definitely, I think, when she was there, she was able to help coach the younger players I think that's what's been the problem for this Michigan State team. Just the youth has hurt them and them being ready and being prepared for these moments. And I think Merchant will be able to help with that when she comes back. Yeah, you mentioned Merchant. You know, we saw the rumors, her maybe being a practice, maybe not. 
Um, if those are true, Michigan State could be on the brink. That could light, light a fire under them, and I think it could take them to bigger things, maybe a run in the Big Ten tournament, maybe a nice high seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I think Merchant would be key for them to get back. And we will be at the Big Ten tournament covering Michigan State women's basketball. We'll have everything you need from Indianapolis. Uh, Julian, you mentioned you know, when they get it together. I mean, this is February 10th, three weeks left in the Big Ten season. Shouldn't it be together already? Yeah, it should. But, I mean, you want it together now to be safe. But, I mean, once it comes, it comes and you're going to be able to make a run. I mean, if it's going to be it's going to be scary to watch them not be fully ready until March. But when they're ready and they're in March and they make that run, I mean, that's all that matters. If you're ready for March, you're ready for March. I, I think... I think they're 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 close as well. Ten games they've had the same starting lineup. They're trying to work, you know, the key bench players in. Some of the freshmen coming off the bench, Madrika Cook, Nia Holly, they're gonna have to play well. Lexi Gussert, we'll we'll see what she does. She's very streaky off the bench. Anna Vesela team just doesn't seem too con- too confident in her in her yet. Um maybe next year, but maybe maybe she'll get some meaningful minutes coming up. Um but that starting lineup, again, is what I'm gonna harp on. Just need consistency, scoring from at least three or four of them. Brandy Ag was on the team last year, has experience, and just needs to be you know that two or three option in, in this offense. Ty Reimer, um, again, key in all of their wins, at least ten points, and she's the big down low that needs to rebound the ball. Another key for this team to win. We'll see. Play Maryland two p.m. on Sunday. Play Minnesota seven p.m. on Thursday. Again, they went zero and one. This week against Iowa, they lost an 87-83 in overtime, 16-8 overall, 6-5 in the Big Ten, 9-2 at home. Again, Maryland coming to town on Sunday. If you don't have a ticket, go out and get a ticket. should be a great game. Two of us picked Maryland. Julian went with Michigan State. We'll see what comes to fruition. Again, this is the Women's Basketball Podcast, the only podcast strictly devoted to Michigan State women's basketball. Zach Manning, Julian Mitchell, thanks for coming on again. Stay tuned to impact89fm.org slash sports for all of your Michigan State women's hoops coverage and everything you'll ever need to know about sports. We had our, our Super Bowl picks. You can go see who did so well. I know, Zach, you struggled with that. <laughs> um, we had someone predict overtime. So believe it or not, it's it's on the record and it's on the website for that. Um, also listen to all of our other podcasts. Tune in on Sundays to listen to The Pact at 10 a.m., on 89FM, 88.9FM. Again, this is the Women's Basketball Podcast every week, bringing you Michigan State Women's Basketball. I'm Zachary Swasicki. Excited Julian Mitchell, Zach Manning. Thank you for listening.